Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. To the grace of God. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Okay, we're getting uh, ready. We're, we're bringing this series to an end, this Encountering Jesus, the Experiencing um, Life uh, I, I, I want to go to Matthew chapter 22, and that's where it's going to be in your sermon notes. And in fact, in a second, it's going to be a screen. But I'm going to I'm going to kind of set this up a little bit because we're going to take a look, just a glimpse of the life of Jesus this morning, and it comes in in effect uh, by sarcasm that's headed his way. Uh, you know, some people have the gift of sarcasm. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? And I just think it's a terrible gift to have. Uh, my dad always used to say this. In fact, many people said it. You no doubt you've heard it. I've said it multiple times too, that there's always seriousness in every joke. Have you ever heard that phrase like that? That, that especially sarcasm, especially sarcasm, there's typically truth inside of sarcasm. So if somebody comes up to you and like, hey, nice hat, you know what they're telling you is that's a terrible hat. And some of you are like, yeah, checking your hats. You know, like, have you ever noticed that? Like, wow, that outfit looks great. You know, and the way they say it, it's like they're really kind of telling you in a, in a sarcastic, funny way that it's not so great, you know, that, that if... If people are pointing out something on you and making a joke of it, odds are it it's probably doesn't look so good. You guys get that, right? Um, and so there, there's there's this way of presenting something that that might be sarcastic. It might be trying to to the, you know trap somebody. Even what we're going to say see today, but there's going to be some truth in it. And and in that we get this glimpse of the day-to-day life of Jesus. In, in fact, let me say it like this. I, I've always wondered what the day-to-day life of Jesus was really like. Like, I know we have stories and we say, well, pastor, we read it all through the word of God. Yeah, but we don't read every single day for three and a half years. And we didn't read every single day. We certainly didn't read every single day between his birth and his age of 30, right? I mean, we get one glimpse in there when he was, when he was 12, but there are a lot of years that there's just nothing written about Jesus. And you wonder, what was his day-to-day life like? Like, if you could just get a glimpse of Jesus when he was in his 20s. What, what was he like? If you could get a glimpse of Jesus on a day that, that miracles necessarily weren't happening, if you could get a glimpse of Jesus on his day off, you're like, well, Jesus didn't take a day off. Well, the, uh, they call that the Sabbath, everybody. He sort of had a day off, but he would still do the miraculous, right, on, on the Sabbath because he was the son of God. And, and how many know it wasn't work for him to do the miraculous? It was literally just a word, and, and it was it was. It was just miraculous. And yet, the day-to-day life of Jesus, what was he known for? What would you have seen in his life as he's traveling from one place to another? What would he have talked about? What would he have spoken of? Was it nothing but teaching? I, I have, a, I have a, a, a suspicion, a feeling, because he, the Bible says that he was filled with the Spirit of God. We know that the Spirit of God brings joy. Uh, to our lives. I, I think Jesus liked to, to laugh. I think he liked to joke. I, I think he liked to, to, 
to uh, just put his arms around his disciples and around others and just laugh. And, and, and I think it's biblical. In fact, God, did you know this? Let me say it like this, everybody. That God created you to laugh? Did you know that? He created you to laugh. He gave you, who gave you the ability to cut up? Who, who, have you ever had a, recently, have you ever had just a belly laugh? I mean, not just a, <laughs> that was funny, but one of those like belly laughs. You know what I'm talking about? Have you had one? Of, do, what would Jesus have laughed like when he had a belly laugh? And I, I, I promise you, he did. Why? Because he was filled with the spirit of God. He was filled with joy. He was, his very, his very essence was joyful, everybody. Can, can we just highlight that for a second? That there was this day-to-day life that Jesus lived that sometimes we, we don't really get a full glimpse of, and yet we catch it right here in Matthew 22. And there, there are some people that are kind of sharing these words with him, and they're, 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 they're mean-spirited people, and they're kind of trying to trap him here, but yet what they're saying is actually very truthful. It gives us a glimpse into him, and it's Matthew chapter 22, verse 15. Then the Pharisees went out and they laid plans to trap him in his words. See, they're, they're, there they are. They're, they're causing trouble here. They're trying to trap him. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, watch this. And I, in fact, I want to point out some words that I want you to maybe to underscore. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity. That's the first one. A man of integrity. And... Here's the second one, and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, that you're truthful. Here's the third one, and you aren't swayed by others. Because you, here's the fourth one, because you pay no attention to who they are. Now, I'm going to break these down for you in a second. They, they said, tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? So let's stop right there. So these guys are trying to trap Jesus. But in trapping Jesus, they're, they're kind of saying, hey, Jesus, we know who you are. You're such a man of integrity. You're such a man of truth. You, you don't give way to public opinion. You're, you're not swayed by others. And in fact, you don't even pay attention to who they are. Like nobody's more important than the other. So tell us, Jesus, knowing that about you, can you sense the sarcasm that they're dealing with? They're telling the truth, but they're trying to trap him. Hey, so this is what we know about you, but tell us about money. Talk to us about Caesar. Talk to us about taxes, because this is a big issue. You know why this is a big issue? Because they're not Roman. They're under Roman occupation. They are Jews living under the power, the influence, the authority of Rome. And they're paying taxes to to Rome, to Romans, and you've got to know they don't like that. Like they, they are under oppression. And now they, they take this oppression and they say something truthful about Jesus, but they're trying to trap him. But Jesus, watch this, knowing their evil intent. Can I tell you something, everybody? That if you use, this is just a side note, if you use sarcasm in your life, can I, can I just tell you it's really not a spiritual gift? There is no spiritual gift of sarcasm. And, and if you use, can, can, let me tell you something about sarcasm just for a second. In our family, we just try not to be sarcastic and we try to, to, 
to make it where our, our kids, we try to help them to not be sarcastic because sarcasm is attached to pride. Want me to say that again? Sarcasm is attached to pride. When you are sarcastic towards somebody, in, a, in effect, you're saying, hey, I see a weakness in you and I'm pointing it out. And, and even if it's the way that you're dressed, I see a weakness in you and I'm, I'm pointing it out. Sarcasm is attached to pride. And can I tell you that sarcasm can be very, very hurtful. And, and I just think, I just think, I, I love, if you know me, I love to laugh. I love to joke around, but I try I try to hold sarcasm to myself um, unless, it's, unless it's, you know, the, the family member that you know that they dish it out and, the, and, the, and, and you know that you're not going to offend them and you know that it's just, a, a, you know what I'm saying? Like there, there, are, some, there, are, there are some relations that, that y- you can just spar with each other and nobody gets hurt. And, but can I tell you just in, in, all in all, if, if you can, or the vast majority of the time, sarcasm is not going to benefit you. And, and it's certainly not going to benefit, it's not going to benefit others because it's attached to pride. So Jesus, knowing their evil intent, he said, you hypocrites, <laughs> why are you trying to trap me? So he, he calls them out. He's like, hey, hey, you, you just told me that I'm a man of truth. Let me tell you the truth. I know what you're doing. And you don't impress me. You say that I'm not, you say that I'm not swayed by others and that I, I treat everybody the same. Hey, let me tell you something. Your stance in the world today does not impress me. In fact, I know what you're trying to do. You're just trying to trap me. He says, show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and they went away. Like they had nothing to say after his answer because he is wisdom. He is wisdom. He not only was wise, he is he is wisdom, and they were absolutely amazed. You know, um, when you speak, are people amazed? Oh, that that hit home, didn't it? Right? <laughs> Actually, not so much. You know, like can I can I tell you? We need to be so full of God and so full of wisdom. That when somebody is hurting around us or somebody is asking us questions or somebody is going through something, that, that, they, that they look at us and we know the heart of God so well, we know the character of God so well, we know the word of God so well, that they look at us and say, you know what, I never thought about it like that. You know, I, I can see, I, I, I got to make a change here. Are people amazed at what you have to say? Are they amazed at what you have to say? How many, how many know we have some growing to do? Me included. We have some growing to do because I want to answer people in a way that God would want me to answer. So here's a glimpse of Jesus' day-to-day life. And by the way, we need to be a reflection of who he is. We are to reflect Christ in this culture. Number one, he was known for his, I've already given you the answers. He was known for his integrity. He was known for his integrity. And, and take, let me say this, this isn't in your notes, but let me say this, that, that your image is not your integrity. That your image is what people see in you. But your integrity is who you really are. 
It's, it's not what you convey to others necessarily. There's a lot of people who act like they have it all together. Lord knows the Pharisees acted like they had it all together, but their hearts weren't right. They had an image that they were trying to protect, but their hearts weren't. Their hearts weren't right. See, your image is not your integrity. Your image is not your integrity. Your, your integrity is who you are when nobody's around, and you know that. Your integrity is who you are when you know that you can do anything that you want to do and, um, and you realize, no, I'm going to be a man or a woman of God in this moment. I'm not going to do what my flesh tells me to do. I've not always been a man of integrity. My, my mom is sitting in this room this morning. She'll vouch for that. I've not always been a man of integrity, but I'm about to tell a story that she's never heard before and she's going to go home today. See, you did that. You did that. <laughs> Are you ready for this one, Mom? Are you ready? Okay, so she's, looking, she's giving me the look already. So back, this is, this is going now uh, literally about uh, almost 30 years ago, 25 or 30 years ago, uh, at least 25, 27 probably. I was, I was going home from college. I went to Bible college in Springfield, Missouri, and my parents lived in Oklahoma at the time. And so I was driving from, from Springfield to Oklahoma, and it's about, you know, about a two-hour, two-hour and ten-minute drive you know, from one place to the other. And halfway through, I just had this idea that nobody knows. I could do anything I wanted to right now, and nobody would know. And you think, well, Pastor, what, what did you want to do? I have, I, this is bad, but maybe a lot of you would agree with me. I, and I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying, this is not a seal of approval. But, but uh, I, I knew of somebody back in the day that smoked cigars, and I just loved the smell of this cigar, that this guy. And I just always thought, I always wondered, what, was, what would it be like to smoke a cigar? And so <laughs> as like an 18 or 19-year-old, I'm on my way to Oklahoma, and I pull over at a gas station, and... And I'm like, I'm, I'm there for like 10 minutes because I'm thinking, oh, this guy at the counter, is he actually going to let me buy this? And, you know, like, and so I get this Swisher Sweet, I think is the name of it. So it's not even really a cigar, but it was all I could afford, actually, to tell you the truth. And it was, you could just buy one at a time. And I purchased it and, and uh, I got into my, uh, uh, my car and I was not like Bill Clinton. I actually did uh, breathe it in. I did inhale, everybody, if you remember that. And... Um, and I took one, I took one puff of that, and I, I thought, that is the worst thing I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and I threw it outside, and I stomped it on the ground. I thought, what was I doing? What was I, what was I thinking? You know, that, that's just a, a, a stupid... By the way, I don't smoke, everybody, just to let you know, just in case you're wondering. This, but, but all of us have had those moments, haven't we? I'm just being honest with you. Like, you, you know, everybody, you know I'm not perfect, right? You know I'm not perfect. And I've, I've sinned just like you've sinned, and we've all had weak moments. And we might convey that we have it all together, but that's just our image. That's just our image. Everybody, everybody just thought, well, Justin would never do that. <laughs> well, Justin did that. And can I tell you too, moms and dads, moms and dads, uh, grandparents, don't be naive. For anybody here in this room that said, well, my child would just never do that. Can I tell you, your child is a sinner. And you're like, well, don't tell me my child. Well, they are. And they're tempted to do sinful things. And don't ever be so naive that you think that your child is above temptation. And you need to protect the innocence of your child and watch out for them. 
and help them make decisions when they're not old enough to make good decisions as of yet. That'll preach. In today's generation, parents, they need you more than ever. They need you more than ever because good little Justin wasn't so good. And I have more stories than that, but I don't want to rock my mom's world, all right? <laughs> you still love me, mom? You still love me? Okay, good. She probably, I, I might have told her that in the past. I don't know. 2 Corinthians 1.12. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. So it wasn't the integrity and godly sincerity. It wasn't just our actions. It was also our heart. It wasn't just our actions. It was also our heart. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. We have done this. How did we act in integrity? With godly sincerity. How did we do that? Well, I'm going to tell you something. We didn't do it on our own, he's saying. We didn't do it on our own. We didn't rely on what the world would have to offer. No, we actually relied on God and his grace in our life. Let me give you another verse here, Romans 8, 12, 13, uh, 12 through 13. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. It's an obligation, but not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Let me say it like this. If you live to fulfill your sinful desires, if you live to fulfill the sinful cravings of your heart, the Bible says you'll die. Like you'll, you'll be spiritually separated from God. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. How do we put to death the misdeeds of the body or the sinful cravings of, of, of our body, of, of our mind, those, those things that you're drawn to and you want to do, but it's that internal battle, should I do it or should I not? How do we, how do we live then in not giving in to those sinful cravings? The Bible says, by the Spirit, by the Spirit. Let me say it this way, everybody. You don't have willpower enough to live a, sin, a sinless life. You don't have willpower enough. You, you, you don't, <laughs> without God in you, you don't have the power to be an overcomer. And so we rely upon God's grace, his love for us, his mercy, and we rely on the spirit of God to live lives of integrity. Let me say it this way, everybody, that desire, both desire and discipline comes from God. He said, listen, we live with lives of integrity and godly sincerity, and we did that, not relying on our own wisdom, but relying on actually the grace of God, that we, we don't live according to the flesh, but we live, we live the life that Christ wants us to live, and we do that by the power of the Spirit. So the desire and the discipline to live a life of integrity comes from God. If you rely on you, you will not win. Let me say it again. If you rely on you, you will not win. But if you rely on God to empower you to live the life that you're meant to live, if you rely on his spirit to empower you to be the Christian that you are meant to be, then you will, then you will live. You'll live the right life. You cannot, let me say it like this, you cannot overcome sin by yourself. 
The greatest resource in your life to overcome sin is the Holy Spirit, according to Romans chapter 8. And so we say, Holy Spirit, fill me to overflowing. Fill me to overflowing, because I need your power in my life. Can we pray that right now? Holy Spirit, fill us to overflowing, that we would live a life of integrity, that we would be empowered with godly sincerity, not just with the desire to live a life that is honorable, but with the discipline to do so. And we realize it, our lives, our hearts, our integrity rely solely on you. And we need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Father, in our lives. So fill me, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. How many know that's a good prayer to pray? And when you study the word of God, can I tell you, you should be praying some of those prayers. When you read that stuff, boy, okay, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to stop and pray. God, would you help me do that? That's a great way to do your devotions. You guys know that? So he was known for his integrity. His day-to-day life, he was known for his integrity. He was known, number two, for teaching and living the truth. He was known for, for teaching and living the truth. Now, we're, we're going to do a series uh, this coming year about truth and so I'm not going to get too deep into this today because I'm going to explain it in just a couple of months. But John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father and he was full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was known for teaching and living the truth. And that we have this one of the most famous questions in all of Scripture when Jesus is in, is in trial, he's under trial, and he's about to endure the cross, and this question comes up, what is truth? What is truth? Well, we're going to answer that in a few moments, but I am going to give you some insight this morning, a little insight, and it's actually connected with point number three, so write this down, that Jesus wasn't swayed by popular opinion. That he wasn't swayed by, by popular opinion. Opinion. He taught and he lived the truth. And these two go together because opinion, opinions are just that. They're just opinions. If opinions were truth, we would call them truths. But they're not truths. They're just opinions. And yet we live in a world that no one knows who doesn't know Christ. No one knows what the truth is. Because now all of a sudden they're, they're using words and you'll catch it all the time in TV shows and in movies and in and, and interviews and uh, documentaries that somebody will say, well, th- I'm just living my truth. Oh, oh, oh I, I just celebrated that, that that's your truth. What? Your truth? Well, that doesn't make sense. Because truth, you're telling me that truth changes just from person to person? It just It just changes. I can create my own truth, which is what the world is telling you. I can create my own truth. You say, well, that sounds, it sounds smart. All all the the, the younger generation, they'll look at that like, oh, this is just my truth. This is just my truth. There is no truth outside of God. There is no truth outside of God. Let me say it like this. Let, let Let me give you an example of this. So what they're teaching is if, if it's true for you, you can do that. 
If it's true for you, you can think that. That's just true for you. It might not be true for me, but that's your truth, and I have my truth. Well, what if my truth is that on the way out, I'm going to look at you and just say, hey, hand me your wallet. Well, pastor, I don't want to do that. Why? Because that's stealing. No, 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 it's not stealing. It's just my truth. My truth is that whatever's in your wallet belongs to me. Well, that's not my truth. Well, I don't care because it's my truth. So give me, you know, hand it over. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Exactly. That's exactly the point. It doesn't make sense. What if your truth is that you can just go to somebody and put them in a chokehold and um, kill them? Well, they just deserve to die. So my truth is they should die and I'm going to kill them. So, so in, pub, in, in opinion, public opinion, well, you can't do that. That's killing. And most people know, well, murder is wrong. Well, why is murder wrong? If you can create your own truth, then why is murder wrong? That doesn't make sense. If you create your own truth, then, oh, I better watch what I'm going. I'm going to save that for another series. Can I do that? That's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that because I, I love teaching truth. He wasn't swayed by popular opinion. Let me, let me give you this. Let me break this down. That truth, truth is the actual state of a matter. It's the actual state of the matter. It is complete agreement. This is just a definition for it. It is complete agreement with the original. And you could say it this way. It is the same as or equal to the original. Truth is the same as or equal to the original. That means that truth requires an external reference. Truth requires an external reference. So do you just make up your own truth? Well, we've already said it this morning, but you can't just make up your own truth because if I think murder is, is right and you say, no, my truth is that it's wrong, well, who, who wins? Who, I'm just asking, who wins? Well, I think stealing is fine. Well, I think stealing is wrong. Well, who wins? If your truth is important to you and my truth is important to me, well, which one is right? Well, I'm right because it's wrong. Well, you can't say that because you say I can create my own truth. There has to be an external reference. And what is the external reference? Well, God. All truth is God's truth. That, that, God, that God is the standard. And Jesus was same as and equal to the original. <laughs> Jesus full of grace and truth. Jesus is the truth. He lived the truth. He taught the truth. Everything that he did was true. But let me say it this way, everybody. So truth cannot be determined then by culture, by education, by conscience, by opinions, by personal philosophies, by parental training, and what's this one? And definitely not by government. Can I get an amen on that, everybody? That they don't determine truth. That they don't determine truth. So, so Jesus wasn't swayed by popular opinion because popular opinions aren't always, in fact, most of the time, they're not true. And so what do we hold on to? In a, in a world where things are just becoming more relaxed and more relaxed and more relaxed, what do we hold on to? We hold on to truth. What is truth? Jesus' is truth. His word is true, the Bible says. 
His word is true. So, so can I tell you, in this generation, everybody, in this generation, people are going to ask you, well, what about this? Public opinion, personal philosophies. What do you think about this? And you're going to have to answer them. Well, I hold to the truth. Well, you're a bigot then. Call me what you will. I'm just a man of truth. I'm not going to be swayed by public opinion. And you can attack me. You can call me names. But I'm not going to respond in hate. I'm not going to respond in any other way except the way that Jesus would, full of grace and truth. I'm going to speak the truth in love. I had somebody come up to me uh, several years ago, and they were, they were talking about a very hot topic in today's culture, and they said, where do you stand? I, and, and, and I've learned to answer people a certain way. The, the, where do you stand on this? And I said, and I won't get into the subject today because it's not relevant, but, and I don't want to, I don't want to have to get into that either. I, that would be a rabbit trail. Well, where do you stand on this? And I just showed them a portion of scripture in the book of Romans. I said, well, go to Romans. Well, no, I want to know where you stand. Well, that's where I stand, the book of Romans. Well, and, and they kind of knew what I was trying to say. And, and I, well, why do you stand there? Because it's the word of God. Because it's true. And I don't, I don't bow to opinions. Well, they, they got very angry and they didn't, they obviously don't attend church here because they wanted me to hold to their opinion and not hold to truth. And listen, in today's world, you're going to have to. And you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to be popular? Are you going to choose popularity? Because sometimes decisions that we make based on the word of God are not going to be popular. But they are true. They are true. So, Jesus wasn't swayed by popular opinions. They looked at him and said, you aren't swayed by others. They try to convince you. They try to trap you. They try to take you off. But you're just not swayed by others. How many know we need a church in America to rise up and not be swayed by, pub, by public opinion? Can I get an amen on that, everybody? We just have to. And then number four, he never showed favoritism. And if you have questions, by the way, about truth, just beginning of the year, 2022, I'm going to teach on that subject. Don't miss it. It's going to be three weeks of teaching, and it's going to be powerful, so don't miss that. He never showed favoritism. They, they said, you, you, you pay no attention to whoever's around you. Like, you don't treat them differently. You don't treat anybody differently. You treat everybody the same. They never showed favoritism. Acts 10.34, let's look at that. Then Peter began to speak. He said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him, and does what is right. Who fears him and does what is right. And, and there's a, a, a bigger sermon in here. But this is what he's saying. Peter's saying, I realize how true it is. That God doesn't show favoritism. That he treats everybody the same. And the people that he treats the same. Are the ones that pursue him. That know him. That love him. That long for him. And the proof of that love for him and that longing for him and the pursuit of him, the proof of that is they live lives of integrity. 
That, that's, why, that's why we find in the New Testament says, listen, if you're a person of faith, but, but your works, your actions don't accompany that faith, then something is wrong. You're not actually a person of faith. So if somebody says, well, I, I, I live a, a I'm, of course I'm a Christian, of course I believe, and they're still purposely continuing in sin, I would look at that person and say, I don't know that you're a Christian. I, I mean, I can't make that determination, but the Bible says that those of us who long for God and pursue God have, have really trusted Christ, we've also trusted Christ as Lord of our lives. That means it doesn't, it, what's this everybody, when it comes to integrity, when it comes to this issue, it doesn't mean that we're sinless. It just means that we sin less. It doesn't mean that we're sinless. It just means that we sin less. That we're not pursuing the things of the world. No, we're, we're too busy pursuing God. In fact, I, I want to say this in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. This is actually my life verse. And I've known it from, by heart since I was a little child, but I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It says, this is what God requires of you. New song, this is what God requires of you. To do what's right. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. He's shown the old man what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? That you have a heart for God, that you love his mercy, you love his grace, you, you love his love, and you live a life of integrity. You just live a life of integrity. Not not pretending to be somebody you're not. One of the greatest compliments I, I, I have ever received in my entire life was actually from my wife. The one, some, I don't know, some event day here at New Song a long time ago, I, I, was, I was so overwhelmed by her compliment that it, it took me by surprise emotionally and had trouble controlling my tears. I, I just kind of became a blubbering mess because she, she said something that, that um, was the highest compliment, I believe. She was talking to all of New Song and she said, you know what, the thing about my husband is he's the same at home as he is here. That's a high compliment, isn't it, everybody? And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that to say I'm sinless, I'm not. I'm really, I promise you I'm not. I, I, have, I have struggles, I have temptations, I don't always succeed. I but wouldn't that be wonderful if that was said of all of us? That no, mom and dad, they're, they're the same at home as they are at church. There's no difference. They're, they're, they're the same at home as they are at the grocery store, as they are at work, they're just always the same. So what you see is what you get. It's not about image, it's about integrity. It's not about image, it's about integrity. I try to live my life according to the word of God and I think all of us should do that too because why? Because what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? Meaning this everybody, he doesn't require much that we just focus on him, that we just love him. 
and that we not only have the desire but the discipline by the, the by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life of integrity. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God teaches us to say no to sin. And so we walk in integrity. And so this is a massive altar call today. You have some things in your life that you know you need God's help with. Are there some things in your life in, in, in which you say, you know what, I'm not the same on Sunday morning as I am during the week. Can I tell you something? It's easy to be a Christian on Sunday morning at church. That's easy. We make it easy for you. You come in, you worship God, you listen to a sermon, you, you take some notes. I mean, you look like the real deal. But what about Mondays? What would your children say about you? What would your, what would your grandchildren say about you? What would your neighbors say about you? I just want everybody to say the same thing. Hey, I know Pastor Justin, he just loves Jesus. I, I just want everybody to say the same thing. My neighbors, my family, my, my church, people in the community, hey, one thing I know about Justin, he's a man of his word. He's a man of integrity. He's a man that loves Jesus. He's a man of truth. He doesn't show favoritism. He treats everybody the same. How many want to live that type of life? I do. If you do, would you stand up with me? And can we just raise our hands to the Lord? This is just a mass altar call this morning. This is just an act of surrender, to lift our hands to him and say, Jesus, we surrender. Forgive us for the times that we failed. Forgive us for the times that we, that we let you down. Forgive us for the times that we tried to, 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 to not only sin, but to hide that sin. Father, forgive us from all unrighteousness. And today we ask you, Fill us with your spirit as we surrender to you. We surrender our lives to you. We surrender our hearts. We surrender our actions. We surrender our, our thoughts, our words. We surrender it all to you. Because Jesus, one thing that we want in our lives is we want you to be Lord of our lives. Go ahead and tell him that. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Be my Lord. Not just my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my master. Be the focus of my life. Help me to reflect you in this generation. Help me to stand strong in the faith when everybody is bowing down to public opinion, but you've called me to bow to, to righteousness. You've called me to bow to holiness. You called me to bow to our heavenly Father. Help me, help me, Father. Not to bow to public opinion, but to bow before you in surrender and in integrity, and in holiness, and in love, and in mercy, and in grace, and in compassion, and in faithfulness, and in justice, and in everything in my life. Help me to bow to you before I bow to this generation, and to the schemes of the enemy in this generation, and to public opinion, and to the lies that are being spread all throughout the world. Help me never to bow to those things, but only to bow to you. Because one of these days, public opinion is not going to be my judge. You are the judge. You are God. And I won't answer to public opinion, but I'll answer to you. And I realize I need to get it right. So I need you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Because I don't want to live according to the flesh. I want to live according to truth.
I want to live in integrity. So Holy Spirit, fill me. Could we just ask the Holy Spirit to fill us? Fill me, Holy Spirit. I offer my life. I surrender my life. Whatever you want to do in me, I'm asking you to do it. Help me. Empower me. Fill me, I pray. And I worship you. Now let's just lift our hands and just bless him. We thank you for doing it. Thank you for filling us. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for giving us everything that we need to live the life that you've called us to. Thank you for empowering us with your spirit. Thank you for speaking good words to us, for revealing your truth to us, revealing your word to us. Thank you for fertile soil in our hearts that your word could be planted in and produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. Father, hide your word in our hearts so that we may not sin against you. God, I thank you for doing it. I praise you for doing it. I thank you that we are a church not of mediocrity. We are not a church that is swayed by public opinion, but we are a church of truth, that we are a church of love, that we are a church that are going to live out, live out your word in this generation. Father, thank you for calling us to higher heights. Thank you for calling us into a place that you long for us to be. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a church on fire for the glory of your name, for a church that stands for truth. Thank you for allowing us to do that as we live for the glory of your name. And we give you all of the praise and all of the glory, both now and forevermore. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.